0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we talk about the Bank of England's decision to raise interest rates and how the global markets are responding to the Omicron variant surge, with Phil Attreed, Head of Wealth Specialists, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. I'm Phil Atreid, Barclays Head of Wealth Specialists, and this week I'm joined by Will Hobbs, as usual, our Chief Investment Officer, for a brief check-up on the headlines driving investment markets for this past week. So I suppose, Will, it would be remiss not to start with the latest on Omicron.
2: (laughs) No, Phil, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Uh, We're seeing that in the UK at the moment. But, I mean, uh, there's actually... Not too much kind of, you know, solid to report. We know a little bit more about transmissibility for sure. It certainly seems to be going through the UK um, at some pace at the moment, as we just said. However, we still don't have anything too reliable on disease severity. More reliable, uh, you know, information data points are coming, likely around the Christmas time, actually. But, you know, the epidemiological gossip, uh, for what it's worth, continues to tilt slightly positive here. Um, but we're going to have to wait for the actual data to come in before we can make any firmer calls on. Uh, what the hit to activity and the economy looks like.
1: I mean, we'd be obviously forgiven for thinking that uh, that was the biggest news headline, and it probably is, but there is more going on in the world than this. So what else has been uh, driving markets and what have you been seeing in the last week or so, Well,
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, Phil, as you know, the kind of macro market set up at this point is, it's, I think, interesting, to say the least. The economy has recovered briskly from the activity chasm. The pandemic shoved it into at the beginning of 2020. However, because of how inflation, expected inflation and interest rates and expected interest rates have kind of evolved over the last few months in particular, we've actually seen, we've actually been pouring more monetary medicine down the patient's throat, uh, even as it's been getting better. So central bankers have been sort of unevenly recognising that fact in the last couple of weeks and audibly, visibly getting, you know, readier to start, you know, removing that punch bar, that punch ball, you know, to start reining in quantitative easing and raising interest rates. Now, However, you know, as we've just discussed, the rapid spread of a micron beyond the, the tragedy that comes with this wave, it's a certainly a major complicating factor in the outlook for the economy. A hit to activity is pretty assured, like I say. But some of that will just be changed timing. Some people will defer Christmas parties rather than cancel. Some spending that was targeted at services like restaurants, pubs, and so on will show up as good spend. And there are both there's within this effect, um, there's also, you know, both the threat of both inflationary and deflationary forces globally, you know, we would be very, very wary, as usual, of those who would overconfidently predict how it turned out. Um, nonetheless, that gives you the sense of the kind of market debate at the moment and also sets the context for the Bank of England's decision to raise interest rates this week, which was a bit of a surprise in the end. And there was quite a lot of will they weren't there over the last couple of months, but it's never straightforward, to be honest. But uh, I think what it appears is that the the upside risks to inflation alongside a very smooth or as much smoother than expected finish to the furlough scheme has persuaded the Bank of England to, to, to raise interest rates. Now, you know, that furlough scheme, as you know, it's something, Phil, that we've worried about. We worried about the end of the furlough scheme, that potentially there was going to be a persistent mismatch between the types of jobs the economy was offering post furlough, post pandemic, uh, and the skill sets of those looking for work. But however, it appears that that's been uh, a bit more serene than feared, and that has left the economy and the unemployment rate and inflation context, you know, pointing to a bit less monetary, a little bit less general generosity from the central bankers. We shall see. It's a small move. The big question really for 2022 is what are we, you know, what more of the world's central bankers going to do? Are they, you know, how many in- times are they going to raise interest rates over 2022 in America and, uh, and the UK you know, Europe seems unlikely at the moment, but that's uh, that's that's maybe possible as well. Uh, Turkey is one that's going in the other direction, obviously. They seem determined to, uh, uh, you know, thanks to the instincts of Mr Erdogan, who has a sort of somewhat niche belief that lowering interest rates is what tackles inflation. But, uh, you know, quite a lot of the rest of the world's central bankers are going to be going the opposite direction, raising interest rates over the coming
1: 12 months and beyond. Quite. And with... You know, with some of this news flow that we're seeing and things like rate hikes, as you say, what can our investors and those thinking of investing with us, what could they be expecting us to be doing about some of this news flow?
2: Yeah, Phil. The core cool message from us should be pretty familiar, to be honest. It's, um, it's really about staying investing. It's staying invested or getting invested is up to your kind of risk appetite. And I think you know we're very confident that our strategic asset allocation, you know, that long term mix of assets we deploy for clients, that that's catered, you know, and that's designed very specifically with this. Uh, very uncertain outlook in mind. So we are very comfortable that that's right. The other bits that we do here, as you know, is the tactical asset allocation, the shorter term tilts like right at the edges of the portfolio. This is not kind of all in, all out kind of uh, com- Conviction—that's never going to be the case about uh, you know what we can see of the road ahead. But at the moment, you know, the the the, the team is still slightly positively disposed to stocks, slightly negatively disposed to high yield and uh, and emerging market debt. So there are some positions open, but uh, you know, at the moment, we are just watching how this Omicron wave plays out and see if it leaves any kind of pricing opportunities in its wake. Uh, but at the moment, that's that's uh, that doesn't seem to be the case beyond the positions we went into this uh, latest wave. Uh, already holding.
1: Quite. And while I've got you, well, one headline that I did spot this week that I think is probably worth just touching on relates to global debt and this of course is a topic that does the rounds every so often we've addressed it numerous times in the last decade between you and i but it was an imf report or reporting on another massive increase as was suggested in global debt last year up to i believe a record 226 trillion dollars and even i have to look up that that's 12 zeros Uh, is this something that investors should be worried about
2: well i mean yeah i mean i'm going to trot out the same old lines i'm afraid phil i mean I think there's this, the point here with regards to the increase in debt is, is the counterfactual. You know, what would happen if we didn't spend that money? Would the economy be in a much worse state than it is right now? And, you know, therefore was it money worth spending? And I think, you know, time will tell on that. And it may be that, that if that economy and if we spend some of the sort of, you know, the, dry powder that the world economy has wisely and productively then perhaps that you know that those debt numbers in the future will look less headline grabbing but uh, you know the, the the broader point I think just to remember and this was a always made by my old boss. And he was he used to ask the question, can Earth uh, be a net debtor? i.e., you know, have us have uh, uh, those uh, kind of evil bankers managed to find a way to syndicate debt intergalactically. Um, now, I'm sure that the hunt for life is, uh, you know, going to make progress in the next few decades, but maybe not quick enough to start persuading those alien life forms to lend to us. So with that in mind, the world's liabilities must naturally meet its assets. So in, in a sense, the amount of debt outstanding is, that, is, is kind of a meaningless figure in, in you know in accounting terms basically so don't worry about it is the long short focus on the mince pies instead would be my uh, my advice um, but yeah I mean I, I you know there is some evidence to show that very high government debt piles can be associated with fragility uh, worse crises and stuff like that but uh, I wouldn't sort of overstate the, the strength of those findings often um, and there isn't an absolute threshold for all countries uh, at which the debt to de- de- GDP passes and then problems come out um, as a result. It varies country to country. Uh, and the UK, as it holds, tends to have quite a proud history of being able to raise a lot of debt at the government level. And that's that's the key to government debt in a way. It's, the, it's not like corporate or personal borrowing because governments have a monopoly on taxes and violence. And that can mean that they are much better uh, prospects to lend money to than, uh, than the likes of me, who has a monopoly on neither.
1: Thanks, Will. Insightful as always. And thank you also to our listeners for joining us today. We will be back with a New Year's Eve episode on the 31st of December. And that just leaves me to wish you all a very happy festive season.
0: All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.